This episode of RFK Refugees is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to ensure that there are future episodes and help this show grow, visit patreon.com slash rfkrefugees. That's patreon.com slash rfkrefugees. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. RFK Refugees podcast. John is here. I'm in here. And joining us live from a pool mere blocks away from Audi Field is Mr. Charlie Bohm, friend of the show, <laughs> guest on, former guest on the show. Charlie, how you doing, my friend? I'm great. I will rarely get a better intro than that in my career, I suspect. <laughs> I'm sure Jason Davis will find a way to top me. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Um, so uh, let's uh, let's just get right into it. Um, so one of the big reasons we brought you on here uh, was because there were some, some interesting uh, comments uh, from a certain former coach of DC United, um, who's now coaching the New England Revolution, uh, basically saying uh, stuff to the effect that... Um, Basically, that uh, that the team is not in touch with its history. That he felt nothing um, when he came here um, to play against DC on Friday, which is a game we were John and I were both at. Um, so I wonder if you can kind of can you expand a, maybe a little bit more. Um, obviously, you know we want people to subscribe to the Athletic. Please, please subscribe. And subscribe to MLS Soccer and, and read, read MLSsoccer.com. Yes, yes read MLSsoccer.com. Um, so we want, we want people to read the content. But give us, can you expand maybe a little bit on the um, on uh, what Bruce's comments were and kind of what, 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 what you felt he was really trying to say? Well, so, yeah, I urge everybody to go and re, uh, read the, the transcription that's in Pablo and my pieces. Because if you know anything about Bruce or, you know, if you've heard him speak at all, you can you can hear his voice saying it really. It's very it was a very Bruceish moment. Um, there, there we were in the third locker room at our at uh, Audi Field, excuse me, and uh, see old habits die hard. And we like uh, it. We had a good like, good mistake to make. It was <laughs> we like that. It was us uh, and the Revs media folks, their 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 club media folks, and and like a, a Globe staffer, and maybe one or two other people in this little scrum, and. You know, Pablo, I think, asked him first, and you, know, you kind of assume you're going to get him talking with an, with, you know, given the the, the roots uh, that he has with DC United, and and this is his first game back as a uh, as a coach, as a competitive coach. Like he'd been, I think, invited as a dignitary on more than one occasion in the past, but this is his first competitive appearance, uh, and so you kind of expect what you're going to get in general terms. And he he st- startled us by saying he felt nothing basically, <laughs> and then we both looked at each other uh and you know that's the journalist equivalent of blood in the water and then we got in a couple follow-ups and got him to expand on it and he he, you know he made clear it wasn't like uh, i guess you could say with bruce everything could be a throwaway line but he um he wanted to talk about it i think on some level because um because he he expanded on a bit and and admitted that it was you know a new organization that could make new choices and that it was up to them and so forth. And uh, as people have subsequently pointed out, there's, there's definitely levels. There's a lot more going on here. Um, there, he, this is not his, you know, it's not like they've not invited him back. He's been, um, he's been invited to various things. He was at the last call at RFK. He was at the, the Audi field debut, etc. cetera. Um, and so there's a little bit of Bruce being Bruce and he, he can sometimes be a bit of a jerk or at least come off that way. But you know, sometimes you need a jerk, uh, to, uh, to, to point out uncomfortable truths. <laughs> and right. I think there's something to what he said because um, it's true that there's maybe uh, a little bit of unexploited opportunity for DC United in terms of the visual appearance and the visual manifestation uh, of the club's traditions. Yeah, one of, our, one of our listeners said, is it possible for Bruce to simultaneously be a DC United and U.S. soccer legend 
kind of right about Audie Field, but also kind of a, a dingleberry about it. <laughs> and I said, that is, that's extremely, I think that's all of those things are what's going on right here. He's, he is certainly on brand with these comments. This is not, this is not out of left field. This is not, <laughs> this is, this is, this is as expected as Mike Pe Petke yelling at a press conference. This is just sort of <laughs> what you come to expect over the years uh, from Bruce Arena. Do you, so we, we've been, we've been talking on this podcast for uh, a year now, almost about missed opportunities uh, to tie in with the history, why, whether it be sort of, uh, you know, in-game or pre-game video stuff, quizzes about... They've done a, a sort of a job by inviting some players who usually are there on the field at halftime when everyone is uh, trying to squeeze through the two narrow concourses to get a beer. Uh, <laughs> but that's, that's pretty much all they do. Where, where do you see areas where, you know, from your vantage point, what, what could they be doing better what could they, what could they be doing at all? Areas that sort of their 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 missed opportunities. Where where could they do better? And are these all things that cost a lot of money, or could they just be sort of things that, you know, low hanging fruit that wouldn't wouldn't cost a lot? I think there's a little bit of everything. And, and again, I want to um, you know say try really hard to here to be um, as fair as possible to the club and point out that you know I think there's a 25th 25th anniversary next year, uh, I believe. Uh, you know, I mean, there, there's always anniversaries. I guess you can look at with. <laughs> Uh, with with DC United, but um, you know because there's so much history. But th there's I think there's things coming down the pipe. Um, but until they we know about them, you know we can only say what what's not been done. Um, and I, I think they there was a step forward with the the diplomats um, reunion that they hosted, and even that I, I think they made behind the scenes. I think there were a few missed notes maybe, but everything worked out well, and they they, they got to bring those old timers back and feel like they were part of something deeper and longer you know and, and something timeless um, and I think they've done that here and there but uh, to start with echoing off what you know what arena I think was getting at was uh, you know the, there's a hall of tradition it's a virtual one right now I guess right we can say and I'm, there's there's the stadium really the the, the 5,000 pound elephant here is that the stadium's not really done right so so there's yep. ample room um, and time and opportunity for them to put in physical stuff like just even from photos to trophy, maybe a public trophy case or a way to display the trophies to the um, the hall, to some of the, the the names and faces and jerseys of old. I mean, it's really, I think some of it, you know, you can get out what you put into it because you could spend some money and really make some money, I think, because uh, in a lot of cases, clubs really hump every bit of tradition they've got, right? <laughs> Even if it's flimsy. I mean, the Quakes um, use the 1974 branding and, and, and think of that as their, you know, they, this big history, even though the history is super choppy and interrupted. And, and mo for the most part, the only thing that links all the people and all the chapters is, is the name. But even at that, you know, there's, there's plenty of, uh, of space here. And I think that, I think they can do it. I, I, I want to say too, that the, at the risk of running on here, that there was a conscious decision made the latter end of the RFK years um, that was kind of like humbling where the club was losing for a while. They kept talking about tradition and they did, it started to ring hollow because they had to just get to square one, right? Um, and I think there was a conscious decision under new ownership to not feel like they were wallowing or, or relying too much on tradition. Um, they want to have their own, you know, and it's natural for owners to want to have their own sort of sense of things. Um, but I think you could still do that even with a few nods that would make you money and, and have more retro gear, have more events, do, you know, invite more of the old timers back. So I think there's a lot of opportunity and, 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 and they can go as far as they want to really. Yeah. I, I always, I always call back to, I was at a meeting, one of like a supporter meeting with Tom Hunt a million years ago in RFK. And it was sort of, it was, 
I, I don't know how I know all I know all of the, uh, the 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 bar and screaming eagles. All the leaders were there, and there was a conversation about sort of the value of supporters from a monetary standpoint versus new business versus families versus whatever else. And he sort of made it clear that you know historically you guys have had a very weighted, uh, uh, o- potentially oversized uh, value for this organization, and we're we're pivoting away from that. We're looking at new business. And they talked about the tradition thing too. And they were talking about the rebrand and they were saying, you know, our market analysis says that if we want new fans, we need to be forward looking. We need a new logo. We don't need to be talking about tradition. We don't need to be talking about uh, these players that no one, no one that no one that's new was even here to see it's, it's in the past. It doesn't matter. And I feel like, you know, some of those people are gone now and there's, there's new folks. And, and from my, everything I hear, for people who have a lot of dealings with them is that they're the new staff gets it to some degree, but I'm wondering how much of the, it's, it, it has to seem somewhat intentional to not do this, to continue to sort of look the other way. Granted, there are things that cost money. Granted, the stadium's not done for God's sakes, half of the outside wall is plywood still. So for sure there's, there's work to be done, but it still seems like they're guided in this. Who do we want our new audience to be? How do we reach out to them and what matters to them? And to them, it's, it appears to not be bathing ourselves in history, bathing ourselves in, you know, in congratulations about what this team used to be and how much it meant to Major League Soccer. Do you, do you think there's some value in that? Or some truth yeah, that? you know, I mean, Tom Hunt is, is an interesting character, an interesting sort of character in this uh, little drama, I guess, because uh, I believe it was the bar or one of the supporters clubs accounts called him out by name this over the past, you know, in the wake yep. of Bruce's uh, remarks about how he was to blame for a lot of these issues. And um, I, I don't, you know, I don't know Tom. Well, I, I would say that he did some, some probably some very useful things and, uh, but also left some, some problems for his predecessors to deal with on the, on the front of things that are so- soccer specific. I think Tom Hunt came in with a very good resume as a sports executive and had a professional sports perspective, but that's not necessarily the same you need that in, in soccer, especially American soccer. But you also – I think he also missed some things because there was a language that he didn't speak as, as a non-soccer guy really. Um, so I think that the supporters group relationships are a great example of that. Um, so I think you've got to do both. They've got to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. And, um, and I think you know, supporters know – supporters will sniff you out if you're, you, know, you, can, you can BS them or you can try to. And they sniff that out whether you're being nice to them or you're being rude to them. Um, I'd say Chris Hall – seems to have gotten an awful lot done in a relatively short amount of time as a complete newcomer to the scene um, and not even at a super high level. He's not like a VP or an owner or anything, but just as a head of communications um, seems to have made a lot of good moves to, to patch up some of the, some of the beef and the, the ill feelings of the past, I don't know, year and a half or two years. Um, so I think if you have that mentality that Chris seems to have very much a soccer uh, um, fluent mentality on things, I think that can go a long way. I guess one thing, you know, I, I understand the stadium's not finished. I understand that, you know, there's a lot, there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, there's the the sun issue. Uh, there, there's a lot of things that are kind of going on, but it, it still seems, I guess, a little puzzling to me, you know, and, and to be fair, they do actually have, um, I actually just noticed this, you know, I've been to the stadium now about three or four times uh, coming up from Richmond. So I just now noticed that, um, you know, I knew the trophies were displayed in the, uh, in the team shop, but they actually do have the trophies sort of along the wall um, outside of the outside of the shop. Now the other ones like the open cup, I think the Amer- inter America cup is out there. 
Um, I don't remember if I saw the supporter shields that they have won, um, but I'm sure they would potentially be out there as well. Um, but it, it seems kind of puzzling to me that like a, like a simple thing like having a banner that displays all this, you know, that's something every sports stadium has, regardless of whether they're looking forward or they're or they're remembering their history. It's it's an important thing when you walk into the stadium. You know, you get a you look up at the rafters at any stadium and you can see, you know, how long has it been since the team won a championship? You know, when is the team won a championship? And we have banner raising ceremonies. Um, so, I mean, is have you is there any sort of estimation? I guess why, like maybe just a simple thing like that um, hasn't been completed yet. Is there are there issues maybe I'm not seeing with regards to that? I, I think that, uh, and again, this is something that you know United's officials probably don't love to hear, but it does. Um, it's, it's an important context that that maybe takes a little bit of the blame off them is that this the club is still a, he- a highly leveraged uh, entity right so they have they finally got in the stadium um but they've there's still a lot of money going out there's more money than ever going out in addition to the more greater amounts of, of capital coming in both a- a- as the owners of their own stadium and operators of the stadium and as an, an mls a modern mls team right where there's more more spending and more expectations so um i i don't think that the, that i think they're still a little bit in that bootstrap, bare bones, um, safe mode that they were in at the at the latter end of the RFK time because um, the, the, you know they've got to get some of this debt paid off and increase the the, the revenue. I mean, look, they. It, I understand why people are super frustrated about the flow deal, the flow flow TV deal, or streaming deal seems to have been um, not successful on balance to, to date. <laughs> I might, I might, hopefully, I'm saying uh, being fair, fair to all there, um, but they. They, I can also see why they couldn't really turn down a, a good chunk of money like that because they've got a lot of uh, a mortgage and a lot of other things to pay off. And there was a, tons of, of cost overages on that stadium, as bare bones as it may feel compared to the Pleasure Palaces in L.A. and Minnesota and places like that. You know, there was an urban real estate project, and it was there's all kinds of additional overages that I think we'll be digging into for years to come. Okay. Yeah, I think I think that I think that there's a really good 360 view of, of those comments. I've also heard uh, some rumors that uh, Bruce Arena was poking around for a front office job with DC United in the interim while he was off of uh, while he was on his extended vacation post USMNT. But that's neither here nor uh, there, and certainly not sub- substantiated unless I unless you've you know substantiated what? it. Here, let me give you this. I I, I won't. Um... I won't re re break it, but I can tell that uh, I can tell you guys that anybody who is at the Cooligan show or Audi Field on Saturday, uh, Pablo Maurer made a uh, was appeared there and, and chatted with the the Cooligans and the Total Soccer Show guys, um, and I think Jason Davis was in there as well, and he broke a little news about that. Um, Bruce, there was an interesting backstory to all this that was unfolding last uh, summer, so um, so I won't tell you guys the out. full deal, but but those who are interested can at. Pablo, or just go listen to the Cooling Show if they posted it yet, uh, or or uh, ask somebody who was there. It's pretty pretty juicy, actually. I didn't realize Jason Davis was so yoked. I saw pictures of him in a <laughs> in a polo shirt. I was like, Jason Lips. He's a he's a strong he's a strong radio host guy. Um, before we wanted to make sure we got, I think we want to appreciate you for your time. But I wanted to before you go. Uh, this is a team that has in the last uh, you know eight games forgotten how to win a little bit. And we're all sort of anxiously staring at the transfer window to see what you know what help is coming in the door, barring you know magical uh, a magical formula for, uh, formation that we've yet to see that's going to change everything. Uh, barring that, we need some new players. And keeping in mind what you just you just said about uh, DC United still being in bootstrap mode and have tamping down expectations all over the place about new players, 
what do you think uh, needs to what do you think needs to come in? And then what do you think will come in? And then what do you think the result of that is going to be? And why is it Yamil Assad? <laughs> uh, sorry, guys. The, the, no so the Yamil Assad thing is going to um, is, is linked to others. Um, there's an agent's factor there that where his um, his his he has the same agent as Lucho Acosta. So as I understand, it, there's a little bit of um, there's a little bit of uncertainty sort of that's that's programmed there that may not get resolved till the very end of the transfer window or even even the winter. Um, I there, there's been reports this week of um, uh, I'm sorry the guy's name escapes me. We had a young Argentine winger who's in who's in Spain right now is Mateo Garcia. There you go. There there's that, and then I, I have a feeling they may they're they're working the phones within the league too um, to try and bolster the the. Um, the options they have. I mean, you saw, you know, they're, they're trying to be prepared for the post Lucho Costa era. Should he leave? Uh, they're trying to build the, uh, you know, more, more depth in, in wide places in the attack. I'm still very curious to see whether um, uh, the Hungarian winger, I'm sorry, guys, I'm, I'm blanking Sultan right now. Stieber. Uh, thank Z. you. Stieber, <laughs> where Stieber is going to wind up if he's going to move within MLS, if they can, if they can just maybe get him off the books or if they're trying to get a transfer fee for him if he wants to go back to Europe, because I think he wants to get closer to the Hungarian national team setup and have more opportunities there. So there's some factors here. One thing I'll say is that um, getting, uh, you guys saw, like Donovan Pines stepped back into the 11 almost immediately. Um, and they, they're really high on him, and I have a feeling that he's going to be significant, play a significant role down the stretch in the back, which could in, influence kind of other tactical decisions that Ben Olsen makes from there. You know, maybe that three back system will be used more commonly. Maybe they'll try it even with the full cast of characters as opposed to just a plan B. Uh, so I'm, I'm watching that and, and then, uh, you know, both internally and externally. I, I think, I think Casper's uh, South American context are going to be key if they can get deals over the line this summer. Do you, do you feel like uh, Garcia is a plan B in case of no Yamil Asad, or can you see both of those players coming in? Both yeah, probably like, both, because um, my, my guess is that um, they're, they're looking at both loan options and um, and permanent stuff. Um, Assad's situation is really odd. Um, I would think they'll be able to, to, to sign him outright and maybe get him under a multi-year deal. Um, but it's unclear, and, and you guys have probably seen the reports that, that others within MLS uh, want him. So I think... Uh, I think Yamil is going to wind up, wind up in MLS somehow or another, um, at least by the calendar year's end. Um, I'm sure he wants to get to get moving this uh, this summer so we can so we can play a bit. So that that'll be a, a key one, guys. But the, it was really unsatisfying at this phase of the of the of the process for especially for for fans is that um, the urgency doesn't really pick up until the final days of the window. So so it's kind of it's like a hurry up and wait and then and then sprint kind of deal. Right. And particularly with Yamil Assad, who's played 20 minutes in like a million months, he's going to need a preseason almost uh, to be ready. So yeah, if he I mean, is the player and he comes in at the end of the window, best. that's yeah. tough. Do you see uh, one last question about potential player needs? Everyone talks about all of our listeners always talk about another goal scoring threat from a forward position. They look at the fact that Rooney plays every minute. So that's sort of uh, a limiting factor for who you can bring in that, that fills that spot. Uh, Quincy got an opportunity and scored a goal this last game, so that's great. Uh, but do you see a need? We every time uh, Wayne gets kicked and falls down for more than five seconds, uh, we all collectively die a little bit. At least all the fans are like, "Well, this is the, there is no Plan B. We've this is over if he if he gets hurt in any amount of time." Do you think that there's a need for another complementary forward in addition to what Quincy brings to the table? 
or do you think they sit pat they sit still there and just get depth on the wings and then try to try to figure out what they're going to do otherwise with goal scoring yeah i mean this is the real the 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 transfer window um bugaboo that 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 MLS seems to bump into time and time again is that they've got all these mid-season balls in the air, uh, and they don't they don't that this is the time when you make you know international deals right, and the rest of the most of the rest of the world's off season. So I think it's really it's a really awkward situation they're in, and and you know it's still like, you know, you're going to be relying on Rooney. There's no getting around that. There's no easy replacement for him. We've seen you know the limited time that he's been suspended or out that they're just not they're not a playoff team right i mean they, they go for, I, there's i don't think there's any team in the league that's as dependent on one player as dc united is and some of that's inevitable um but that i think that kind of that's going to color ben's approach to things as well uh one, one more thing before i let you go uh do you think lucho acosta will be on the field on thursday yes or no uh no is that he sat one game or two games so far? He sat he sat one game and he had an extra game tacked on for his uh, stumbling into uh, Paxton Pomichol. So he got they tacked on an extra game for that and DC's appeal. So, oh, that's it. right, and the appeal is yeah. ongoing. No, I mean it, <laughs> I think you got you got to have really good got to have a really surefire case to, to get those appeals through. They they don't want to they they actively discourage uh, teams from even filing those appeals. So I, I don't see him on the field on Thursday. No, and no. honestly, that's the game. That that's a game you should be able to win without him. Yeah, so. fair, very, very true. It's a good test case for life without Lucio <laughs> is beating a team that has five wins all year long. Hopefully, you can do that. <laughs> Although they've won two in a row, so who knows? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? I mean, the team that the team that beat Atlanta five to one lost to Cincinnati at home last week. So, you know, are you implying that MLS, MLS is weird, Charlie, is, <laughs> and that you shouldn't no, bet on it? <laughs> well, you know, there's more people that are ready to 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 take that ride than ever. So what can I say? I better yeah. not say, I better not say don't bet on it because at some point I, I, I need to get someone to pay me to show them how to bet on it. Right. I bet that <laughs> so, you want to be our gambling correspondent or, uh, or esports. Oh, or, sorry, not, but, not, or, not for me to gamble. I should say, but that I have reliable information that can uh, help them gamble it. <laughs> as got bad it. an idea as that may be. <laughs> I got you. Well, no, uh, I, I, I'm not a gambler, so I have no way in hell. If there's anything I'm not going to bet on, it's definitely MLS. <laughs> be a smart it, remains, thing. it retains that element. And I think even, with the glitzification of it, I think it will retain that element for some time to come. You, you can bet on you can bet on LAFC to win, and that's about it. I think. No, something. don't do that. The one time I bet in MLS was LAFC at, at Vancouver, and uh, LAFC had their full roster and lost, I believe, two two to nothing or three to nothing. Yeah, and well, I lost like seventy five bucks. I was like, guys, it's a sure thing. This is a sure thing. I gotta go for it. Paid uh, paid a few. Uh, Paid for a vacation or two by betting on Colorado against LAFC the other day. There That's has to be true. someone on the planet That's that, that made a killing off that off that game. All right, Charlie. Well, thank you uh, so so much for joining us. Uh, I know you're on. You write for MLS Soccer, um, but tell the good people where they can find you if they don't already listen to you or watch or listen or watch or read your stuff. Yeah. So at CBOEHM is my Twitter handle. Most of the stuff I write, I, I flog on there. Um, check out High Press Soccer. I contribute to them where, wherever possible. And, of course, um, I write about the uh, U.S. national team and the, the American game at large on ussoccerplayers.com once a week. Great. Well, thank you so, so much for joining us, Charlie. Um, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Um, with that, we will wrap up this segment, but stick around. we got more RFK Refugees coming up, so stick around. you listen to the RFK Refugees podcast. Lucini pouring from the sky, let's get rich. What? The GK Vance and Sugar Dime can't quit. What? Now pop the cork and see the Vega and get lit. What? 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 Introduce.
Welcome back into the RFK Refugees podcast. Uh, thank you to Charlie Bohm for coming on to the show. And uh, we have a very, very special guest coming up. Um, we're going to talk uh, a little bit of Cincinnati uh, with Boston Brazel uh, over at CincinnatiSoccerTalk.com. Boston, how you doing, my friend? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, it's always awesome to meet new people in this community. Uh, I know it's a, it's a small, close-knit, and I just love getting out there and, and recording, so I appreciate you having me on. You're getting introduced to the MLS community now. You're 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 getting a part of that as as a new expansion team. <laughs> That's right. I feel like just just at the point where I'm starting to know everyone in the USL world, I just got yanked from it and had to start over. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, I'm actually I'm actually from Richmond, so I'm a Richmond Kickers fan. So I remember oh. a, a few matches uh, between between uh, these two teams. Uh, but now you're playing my my first team in DC. So uh, let's just jump right into it. Let's talk a little bit about your team. Um, you guys, uh, ha- you guys are having the struggles I think most expansion teams um, are having. Uh, I I've heard kind of some I guess some mumblings from fans that are like, why don't we just stay in USL? This was so much funner when we were spending every team three to one. Um, what are your thoughts on how the team has looked this year? Well, it's been a rough start uh, for sure. Um, I think that they when you come up, unless you're an Atlanta United or an LAFC. And, and you got Arthur Blank kind of money, and you've got this NFL stadium, you know, sitting there for you. Um, it's tough uh, because you're not going to go out there and spend uh, $20, 30000000 million on a transfer fee like you did um, <clears throat> this past year. And even with Arthur Blank, he went in there and he did okay as an expansion team, but he didn't win, you know, even with the amount of money it took him to a second season. So you have, yes, you have this expansion problem. Uh, FC Cincinnati has got um, probably this new fold problem where we're dropping more money than anyone's ever dropped an expansion fee. We're building a $250 million stadium. We had to figure all that out on the fly. We built a $30 million training facility that is just now about complete. The fields are all done, but the building's just now about now finished. We had to acquire property. We had to, you know, so our um, general manager and president, Jeff Birding, is not even focused on the club at this point. He's running around trying to finish this whole stadium project. And so I think that's, uh, that was like one of the first elements you saw when FC Cincinnati gets out of the gate. We won a couple games. Uh, Greg Garza goes down. Um, our, our squad, you know, if you ask me, isn't necessarily terrible. It's just that it's probably 11 solid guys. And if those 11 guys are not on the pitch, and we lose four to Gold Cup, we lose uh, Garza to injury, then you got, oh, no, you know, this this problem where we're bringing in these USL guys and, and probably guys that maybe shouldn't be on the on the pitch for a major league soccer team. We were hoping we didn't have to bank on so early, and uh, that's what happened. So there, there is a decisive, uh, there's a part A and a part B of this season so far. When you have a, a, a coaching change this early into the first year of a franchise at MLS, uh, the was the general manager also let go, the guy who built the team. He fired himself. He's still <laughs> the president. He's still Self, the president. No. But yeah, he he fired himself from general manager role because, believe it or not, he's still dealing with the politics of everything that's going on. And so he, 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 I mean, he basically came on our podcast and admitted, I haven't been paying attention. I just let the coach and everybody do what they needed to do because I building a stadium and fighting with city council. And, and, you know, this is my job. So I'm just going to president. I'm not a soccer guy. I probably shouldn't have been here anyway. Uh, I fired myself. That's impressive. So that's impressive self-awareness for an individual in a powerful position. Do you, uh, with those changes in mind, I mean, you've got a couple wins on the trot now. Um, 
How, how are you feeling about the prospects for the rest of this year? There was an article today that said, is FC Cincinnati a playoff team? <laughs> uh, which is, hey, I mean, in MLS, like, it's po- anything is possible. Anything is more possible in MLS than it is in any other league. Are you feeling better than you did maybe a month ago? Definitely feel better than I did a month ago. I think that article is premature. You know, if, if, if FC Cincinnati gets through this weekend, say they knock off D.C., and um, they knock off uh, the Revolution because there's two games this weekend. Then, then maybe, you know, you were nine points back, fourteen games to go, and you gain six points of those nine, and depending on how everybody else does. But uh, yeah, maybe maybe then it's time to print that article. Uh, a little too soon at the moment. We're still bottom dwellers with sharing it with Columbus now. Just sharing it with the team doesn't make us instantly better. But we do <laughs> feel better um, after winning two games in a row. Um, what, what happened is we got these guys back from Gold Cup, right? And so all of a sudden, um, some of our starters are back on the pitch, and we're not losing to Minnesota seven to one now, which does, which is a nice change of pace. Yeah, you're, uh, you know, you you've avoided the 2013 mark of futility that DC United set, <laughs> so you've avoided that based on points alone. So congrats there. You're not going to be historically <laughs> bad no matter what happens. Um, is there, and you're also running up against a team right now in DC that has forgotten how to win games. We'll draw with the best of them. So if you're a betting person and there's a line where you could bet on a draw on this particular, I would do it. I think that's how to, kind of how we roll right now. <laughs> um, are, in addition to getting these players back from international play, is there rumors, even though this team sounds as highly leveraged as DC is right now, uh, is there a rumor about new players coming in? I know that was it Kenny Saeed terminated his own loan because he, he wanted to get out of there. Are there players coming in? Are there rumors for that? Yeah, so we just signed a center back. Um, he's still, I think, held up in... Um, it's, it's a little, I think it's a little bit harder to get international players over here on work visas right now, just due to the political climate and everything. So he's tied up in that rumors are our new coaches as well. Um, that we've, that we've theoretically whisper, whisper hired, um, um, from, um, the Dutch leagues. So I think that, yes, there's going to be some pieces, but you're not going to see FC Cincinnati go out there and try to save the season. Not, not with the points that we have on the table right now. Uh, I think what they're going to do, what, we're in the situation, we have so much money tied up this year. Um, we spent way too much of it in the transfer market acquiring players when we should have been using it to, you know, to buy down certain players. And I think it took us, the learning curve was tough coming from USL where you can just dump a player and sign a new player because there's no cap. And uh, that, I think that's what we're used to. Last year, we, we had the most expensive roster in the United Soccer League. And anytime anybody didn't work out, we dumped them and signed a better guy. <laughs> So uh, we're, we're, we're change change of uh, policies here, and uh, that's that's got the learning curve. I think you'll see one, maybe two, more guys come in. They just don't have the budget and cap room. Next year, you'll see the reset button pressed a little bit. Uh, they'll keep the the good pieces, and then we'll try to build from there. Part of the reason you guys, I think, got into MLS um, was just the incredible sort of groundswell of of fan support that just showed up um, when when the USL team was formed. You know, thirty thousand fans out of the USL game. You guys had the the Open Cup game um, against Chicago that y'all won. Um, so I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I'm gonna go ahead and call. I'm gonna go and say it. you guys got a little spoiled. Um, and now you're sort of <laughs> now you're sort of uh, you're facing MLS. Um, and how is the? I guess ha, has there been any sort of uh, tampering? I guess of you know, has there been any sort of uh, has the air come out of the balloon, so to speak, with, with the fan base, or is the fan base mostly just completely behind this team? We understand it's going to be a rough first year. Let's just wait. We'll, we'll we'll just deal with this, and then it's gonna it's gonna get better from here. 
Sure. We have a large fan base and a large online fan base. That, <laughs> you know, if you just look at the Facebook groups and the Reddit uh, subscriber numbers, and uh, it's it's a pretty big voice. And so their critics in those voices are scream, scream, and they're loud. And I'm one of them sometimes on Twitter during a game, like, oh, we're losing seven to one. <laughs> but um, so, so you hear stuff like, why don't we just stay in the USL? But I think that comes from more of a place of just temporary anger <laughs> than um, actual, like see, we see cranes in downtown building or stadium, you know, and, uh, and you you know, okay, it's obviously life is obviously better up here. It's just some growing pains. Um, the fan base is behind the team. I mean, if you look at um, June when we were losing all those games and just take a flash at the uh, attendance numbers, you know, sold out what uh, 32,000 game versus the galaxy. Obviously there's this Latin effect there, but then you uh, go into the Houston game where we haven't won at all. And we still push 26, 28,000 fans um, to, for, for a losing team that has three wins, I think on the season at that point, uh, maybe two. I mean, that's, that's uh that tells you the fan base is still here. I think the fan base understands it's just the first season expansion team and no one's canceling their tickets, you know, mm-hmm. just so to speak right now. Well, that's uh, that's certainly good to hear. We you know, as much as we want rivals in in major soccer I mean, and we don't want you winning against against DC. Um, <laughs> we all we all we want these expansion teams to be successful because uh rising rising tides lifts all boats um in, in that in that respect. Um, so I, I want to sort of talk a little bit more about the team. You know, we all know we got, you guys got Fernando Addy, Addy out there. Uh, you've got, um, Alashe, you've got a lot of guys that, that MLS fans would know, but maybe who's a guy, maybe that, you know, if, unless you're watching this team week in and week out, you're going to pay attention to, uh, who's a player. Maybe we should be maybe keeping our, keeping our eye out for on Thursday. Um, so, you know, what's interesting about this is when we were in the losing streak, Critics like myself, you know, that that, that write uh, an armchair coach for a living, we um, we got out there and said, hey, if we're gonna lose, let's just let's just play the youth. Um, might as well let's get them ready for next year. And so we we and, and FC Cincinnati kind of did that. They bring in the draft picks. So you got Frankie Amaya, the number one draft pick, in, in this year playing every single match for FC Cincinnati. They recall Rashawn Daly. Um, he's he started last game over Adi, who still has a little bit of an injury, and um, you know left that game on a one-one with Chicago, and so and, and scored in the previous game against Houston and kind of got the game winner. So it's neat seeing you know these eighteen, twenty-year-olds having some success. I don't know if they'll play versus DC. I think you'll see Rashawn Daly up top because I don't know if they're going to give Adi a full 90 minutes yet as he has uh, a look coming back from that injury. Rumor has it Frankie Amaya is more likely to play the second game versus uh, New England than you guys. But my my who to watch out for is definitely Alan Cruz. He's been lights out since he came back. He's gotten two back-to-back goals in back-to-back games. Um, I feel like we've started to learn how to play him. Our former coach didn't know what to do with him, but the interim head coach has, has moved him more centrally where he's thriving. We finally have some kind of movement in the midfield. And if DC is going to uh, shut down FC Cincinnati, they've got to shut down Alan Cruz. So I guess you kind of took my next question out, which is, is if you're, if you're D, if you're coach Ben Olson and you're trying to figure out how to break down and, and beat uh, Cincinnati, um, how, how do you go about doing that? I think you answered a little bit of that. So Maybe expand a little bit if you can on that. Sure, sure. Well, you know, it's multifaceted. I'd say FC Cincinnati has two problems. 
the first is the midfield. It gets overran, and then it's up to this back line to try to save the day over and over again. Even in the game we won against Chicago, they took 20 shots. And Spencer Ritchie had to stand on his head. Uh, seven of them were on frame, and, and he even saved a PK that got deflected back in, and that was Chicago's only goal. Like, how, how much more can you ask from your keeper? So that back line um, needs to be solid, but they also just – FC Cincinnati has to stop Wayne Rooney before he even gets down there. You know, they've got to find ways to just stop him in the defensive mid and that's going to fall on, um, you know, other guys there in the, in the midfield besides Cruz, who's going to be more, you know, up towards the top. It's going to fall on a, a Victor Yolola. It's going to fall on a Bertoni and those guys are going to have to step up. Yeah, I mean, and you just got to make sure you don't your keeper stays as far back as he can where he doesn't get half field. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh my <laughs> goodness. I that highlight reel. I went around. I went around work and just showed people this. I was like, "This guy's coming to town. You might want to buy FC Cincinnati tickets." <laughs> so uh, we we like to make sure that we, uh, we 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 don't want to keep track of these ever. We probably should, but let's get a score prediction from both uh, the hosts and the guests. Uh, I'll go first, uh, just because I'm gonna I'm depressive. Uh, this team does not score more goals than the opponent anymore. That's uh, that's an old thing we do. Uh, the new <laughs> thing we do is score the same amount. Uh, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go one-one final uh, for me, and it's gonna be off a set piece or a penalty because we also don't score too many goals in open play. So that's 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 where I'm at. In a game that we would have felt like we would win nine thousand times out of nine thousand at the end, at the beginning of the season when we looked at the schedule and put down six points for our two matches, uh, that I've been I've been beaten into this level of pessimism. So, what are your thoughts? <laughs> Well, um, I, so I was reviewing this uh, for our show. Uh, we have like our main show kind of on uh, Mondays. And I was looking at the kind of the stats and I was like, holy moly, you guys um, have a lot of one or nothing games. Like it, it's it's amazing. Um, it, you don't get two goals very often. And I noticed you did last uh, last time you played what against the Revs. And that's kind of like a red card situation, if I'm right, or if I believe that. Correct. Yes, yes. 11 so, v 10. <laughs> But we are the same way. We don't have a ton of multi-goal games. Um, so I I think I picked uh, I, I picked a draw as well, and that was me being a little bit optimistic because I do I do feel like you guys have more talent on the field. It's just if this game was in DC, I would pick a DC win all day long. There is a nipper effect. We do seem to get more energized at home playing in front of all those fans. Um, so I'm gonna go with a one-one draw. I'm gonna go with a two-one win. I think DC gets it figured out. I think this this is the turning point. I'm sorry, this is going to be the turning point. I'm 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 Get choosing right against Cincinnati. <laughs> I'm choosing to to believe it to be the turning point for this team. So we'll we'll see who's right. Uh, Boston, a well before we let you go, um, go ahead plug uh, tell the good people where they can find you. Um, I'm at Boston Keith. If you want to follow along with my personal ramblings, but uh, the Cincinnati. Uh, site I work for is at Cincy Soccer Talk. Uh, we are a uh, fan blog that started a little bit before the team, and we've uh, covered F- FC Cincinnati since day one. Been around for a few years now, trying to grow it every year. We've got a pretty big staff now, and uh, daily articles and pod- two podcasts a week, and just cranking it out. Great, and uh, I will say I do want to check out once you guys get your new stadium built. Um, one oh, of yeah. the one of the companies I work for is a sponsor of the club, so I'm hopeful to snag some box seats at some point. If anyone, oh, yeah, if, if anyone's listening, um, all right. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Boston. Uh, and uh, with that, uh, stick around, guys. We got one more segment to wrap up the show. So you've been listening to the RFU Refuse podcast. Don't go anywhere.
Welcome back here to the Archer Refugees Podcast. Ted and John here to uh, wrap up the show. Um, and we're going to start off today by, uh, start off this segment by uh, talking a little bit about what we have planned for the Patreon page. Um, so we, we've had kind of a discussion about, you know, what we want to do with all the, all the donations that you guys give us. Um, obviously, we, we still look for ways to improve the show, build the show, promote the show um, with, with the stuff you give us. Um, this stuff has purchased, you know, equipment to help us record, um, to make, you know, calls and stuff. Everything goes smoother. Um, so we've done a lot of that to sort of help build the show, but we want to sort of give back a little bit. Um, so the first things first, um, and I think we we made this decision uh, thinking most, uh, not, if not all our Patreon subscribers would agree with this. This was a good call. Uh, we took all of last month's donation, um, and we are donating it uh, to uh, Rob Gillespie, who is a longtime Bar Brava elder. Um, if you've been around the club for even a little bit, you probably know his story. Um, his He's dealing with a really, really bad uh, uh, cancer battle that he's got going on. And, you know, he doesn't, uh, you know, he's he's having to put himself in a lot of debt. And so he's asking, you know, people to help support him. So we've decided to join him uh, in that fight and and support him. So um, you can follow him um, on Twitter at NFFC65. Um, you can also, his PayPal account is NFFC65 at gmail.com. Uh, you can also go through the cash app, which is dollar sign uh, Marco dad, if you want to donate to him and help him out. Um, so definitely, definitely, uh, he, he definitely needs our help. Um, great guy, real long time DC United fan. So, um, yeah. Uh, so, and then also, uh, we'll be doing, uh, 20%, um, of future Patreon donations, uh, to a charity of whatever you all choose. So, um, I guess we'll start by saying, send us suggestions on charities yeah. you think we should, we should contribute to. Uh, we'll probably put a vote on the Patreon page, uh, for Patreons, for patrons to vote for. Um, and we'll announce our decision on who we decided to, to donate the money for. We'll probably like re, we'll probably like shift it around and re up it and come. Yeah, up, the come idea is ways. to find the idea is to find a charity that either supports a, a DC United fan in a similar situation to Rob, to support uh, a soccer charity in the area. Really, it's about you know direct financial aid to someone who needs it or a group that needs it. Uh, that's in our community or wants to be in our community or has been in our community. That's, that's really the driving force there. And we're going to, we're going to put those choices up to you guys. You're going to submit them. You're going to vote on them. And that's the way we're going to go. And we're going to collect three months of, of whatever that percentage is and then donate it once that way, whatever we give doesn't get uh, eaten up by, by fees. Uh, if you, if you look at our page, we're not, we're not, you know, you got, you, we, we love and appreciate the support. I think, but to to make sure that we're actually making any sort of impact to people, we're, I think that every three months is the way we're gonna we're gonna do it. So, uh, if you're a, if you're a listener and you want to get involved, first of all, uh, as a, as a person who does donations and stuff for different nonprofits, feel free to also just directly donate to them in lieu <laughs> of joining the Patreon because that's how they're going to get the, most of their money. But if you think that if you think that this program, this thing that we're doing, is worthwhile and you want to be a part of it uh, and want to support the show and also support a worthwhile charity as we're as we're going along consider joining consider becoming a patron i think that this is kind of exciting i think it's it's interesting and exciting to try to figure out a way to, to to directly help people you know that you know that we that we aren't at the moment and that really need their need our help and i think that the the dc united community or the mls community the dc united community is different than other sports groups sports fans groups where you don't really get to know the rank and file people because it's just a thing you go to and a thing you all love and not necessarily a thing you all do and this is a thing we all do. We all choose to be here or we choose to follow it if we're not nearby and we stay engaged, even if we're across the country, or across the world. And I think it's very cool for us to be able to find a way to, to really help 
the that family that's sort of spread out across the country and or or just or locally that needs the help. So long way, long way, long winded way of saying we're going to do a new thing. We're going to donate some money, and if you want to help us do that, help us do that. Absolutely. So uh, definitely, if if you feel like supporting the show and also supporting, uh, you know, a charity, a, a member of the community, patreon.com slash RFP Refugees, uh, definitely appreciate all the support uh, a lot of people have already given us. And um, hopefully, uh, hopefully that'll, that'll continue with us. So we really appreciate it. Um, I guess with that- make sure you give, make sure you keep giving to Rob. This, yeah. this is a, this is a thing that, so I, I worked in the blood cancer space before at a previous job and the costs associated with this care are, are legion. And it's not just the care it's getting to and from the care. It's there's diagnostic tests that sometimes are out of pocket. There's prescriptions that are, that he he might have a copay or coinsurance Uh, insurance. Just having insurance doesn't cut the, cut the bill on a long-term chronic condition. And that's what this is. So, you know, he's going to, he's going to keep asking for money. That's because he's going to keep needing it. So keep that in mind as you, you know, sort of spread that goodwill around, um, he'll he'll keep needing your help and he'll keep asking for it. So be be on the lookout. And, and if it's a choice between donating to to Rob or donating to our show, donate to Rob. I think is what we would say. Definitely, hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent on that. Um, so yeah, uh, I guess uh, let's move on to the Twitter next. questions. Twitter questions. We got group questions. John, fire away at them. I will do that as our designated reader. I will do yes. that. So I put out a call for questions, and all of you guys just wanted to know about Yamil Saad, even though I told you we don't possess any information about Yamil Saad. Uh, we did have, so, yeah, we did have Charlie on, who gave us some interesting insight into Yamil Saad. So we did. So let's uh, let's let's move past that. Um, so uh, is uh, Dan Duck, a perennial provider of questions uh, and sticker placement, says is TT's Killer Instinct going to kick in at some point or nah? I think I, I think that's a good question. We've talked about that a lot this year. Uh, TT is now getting his extended run in the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. He's going to gonna get for it, the unless unforeseen incidents happen. He's probably going to get another shot at it on Thursday. Um, yeah, probably so. So you know, I don't think he was he was not touted as a big goal scorer from where from uh, from where he came from Estudiantes. That was not his that was not his mo. Um, but. You know, we have gotten codependent on that on on the on the goal supply and assist supply that Lucha was able to provide in that position last year. Um, we're we're somewhat dependent on on generation chance generation and 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 chance completion there from that spot. So, uh, is it ever gonna is it ever gonna kick in? I hope so. I think mm-hmm. he's I think he's you know, depending on what the buy option looks like from a financial layout perspective, I think they'll probably keep him next year no matter what. Probably buy him, see how he fits in. He may never be, he may never be Lucho. Uh, but he may be what we have to work with. You know, I think I, I think one thing that was interesting from the last game is, you know, and one thing I think we have to understand about about TT as a whole, you know, it, it took him, I would say it's taken him a lot of time to sort of get used to uh, being out on the on the wing and, and playing with DC United. It, t- it takes a while to adjust to any team in any league. Um, and I, I, I did notice there was he became more comfortable towards the middle of the field and, and or sorry, when he was out on the wing and, and, and more comfortable when he was moving, you know, his passing, he was starting to read his, his play, his team better. Uh, and then we went on the course, the big long break. And, you know, we've had the, the, the suspensions and the injuries, uh, the sickness to, uh, Acosta that's kind of, uh, forced him into that center of the field. So now he has to, he has to learn a, a completely different position, um, and, and everything like that. He has to, and has to learn his teammates in that position as well. Um, I thought he was struggled, you know, mightily 
against um, against New New England in the first half. Um, but I thought he looked a little better uh, in the second half against New England. So I'm not ready to write him off as as that maybe that position being you know write him off as him not fitting into that position. Um, I think it's up to the coaching staff to figure out a way to put him in that position. He's not going to play the same way as Lucho. You're not going to see him do the same things as Lucho. But I think you can you can make tactical decisions that he can still be very effective in that position, um, even if he's sort of being that sort of pass to draw everybody in and then lay it off for a winger or for Rooney or or making that pass or even having that shot from outside the key, which we all know he has. He's done that a couple of times uh, this season. He, he's kind of fired a shot um, from outside the box. Um, so I, I think uh, hopefully we see him, you know, turn around against, you know, a pretty what we assume is a pretty weak uh, Cincinnati team on Thursday. Um, but I, I, I'm not ready to write him off yet. I think the team keeps him. I, I've seen enough to think to say good things. I saw enough of the rough patches with with the same sort of rough patches with Lucha when he first got here. Um, and he's turned he turned into a superstar for this team. Um, so those are my thoughts. Uh, John, uh, John, you want to go to the next question? Yep, at DC United Kingdom, great uh, fellow podcaster from across the pond, uh, said he'd like to know about the future of Emil Assad, but he's <laughs> joking. He would like to seriously know, I'm in the mindset of Acosta not being around in 2019. How do you see the post-Acosta lineup looking? Because I think we saw that against the Revs. Uh, Charlie indicated or alluded to the fact that uh, Pines got right back into the lineup uh, right away after injury, as soon as he was fit. And we saw we saw that five-man back line. And Ben has made comments in this, uh, this, this offseason week that Leo, may, that may be his best position, sort of in that forward attacking spot. I mean, goal aside, he's, a, he's, a, he's an attacking player, really, in a defender's body, even though if you ask him what his favorite, his favorite lineup is, he said four in the back. Um, so I think, I think you're right. I think we may see what we saw against New England again, hopefully without the first half sort of defensive assignment problems going forward. But I think you might be right. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think you know th- th- that's a formation that has the benefit. It, it's five. It's a five-four. It's a five-four-one, so to speak. But it morphs into more of a three-four-one-one essentially. And it it it, it uh, math right? No, probably more of a. Th- it's more of a three. You can morph into a three-five-one-one basically. Um, so I mean, it can morph into that sort of formation. Um, very, uh, very quickly and uh, and easily, and I think that's that that kind of tactical flexibility can be important. Um, and wingbacks have always played a crucial part of DC United and how they play. And Leo Hara has been very effective this year, probably the best player, maybe Sands Wayne Rooney, um, this year, and probably the best sign new signing of the team. And it's partly because he's been allowed to move forward. He's allowed to sort of to to you know own that right side that he's on. So. Um, so yeah, I, I see no, I, I see some real promise with that formation, and I see real promise with having, especially now that Moore's back. Once he gets back in the fold, he was very effective going forward as well. And, and Mendelson's talked about him being uh, when he's on the field, they generate a lot more chances, and and they and there's a lot of analytics for that, which is kind of funny because Mendelson has decried analytics when he was first a coach. It was kind of funny to see him sort of turn a corner on that. So um, yeah, I, I, I would agree. With, I would agree with your sentiment. Brennan Carwright says, who should get the first statue at Buzzard Point? And in a follow-up, he said, it should be Chico. Um, I think that Jaime or Marco are good bets to, to be the first statue outside Audi Field. Those, those would be, either one of those, I think, would probably be a good, a good hit. It, what do you think? It, it's Jaime. It's Jaime Moreno, 
without a doubt. Um, you, Marco was a great player, don't get me wrong, but he was not great for DC United across two generations of teams. He, Moreno was great, you know, 96, 97, 98, 99. Then he was great, you know, 04, 05, 06, 07. Um, and, and he did it with different players. He changed the way he played uh, to be more effective, to be more of a provider rather than the goal scorer. Um, so it is absolutely 100%. Jaime Moreno should have a statue out there. Um, he he was a part of the team. He was a part of the team for 12 of their 13 trophies, and no other player can really um, can really uh, attest to that um, in, on this team. So absolutely, it should be Jaime Moreno. I'm convinced. I was already I was already <laughs> easily convinced on that, and I'm I'm more so. That is the that's all of our Twitter questions. Thank you again for always answering the call and giving us stuff to talk about. Um, we have one, you know, in the Yamil Assad beat, we talked about it briefly with Charlie. I want to make, get a little, dig a little bit deeper into this. Uh, Mateo Garcia is rumored, uh, as a potential signing. He plays for RS Thessaloniki, uh, one of Freddie Dew's 1 million clubs that he played <laughs> for on loan from, uh, Udi Las, Las Palmas, the second division club in, uh, Spain, not a big goal scorer. RS finished fourth i believe last year or is fourth or finished fourth i'm not sure when their season is still going or it's over or not um and like charlie said he didn't see this as a yamil replacement this is a supplement maybe more of a zoltan replacement while, while you're still also adding yamil um so keep keep uh keep your eyes peeled for that i it would be great i you know this is the way that it never works for us and really most teams <laughs> in the window it'd be great if we could get these guys in the next week or two they could play against marseille maybe on a game that doesn't count, um, and you know, they get get their feet wet. But really, what, we're, what we should likely expect is that we're going to get people at the very last couple days. They're not going to be ready to go for the first couple games in August, and then late mid August, late August, they'll be ready to rock and roll. And then we'll have we'll have what our real team is going to be going into the playoffs. That's probably the likely outcome. And and I think the the team is now sort of counting on maybe the fact that guys are starting to get healthy again. Now things can turn very quickly, like they did this season. But you're getting more back. You know, once Acosta suspension's over, you're going to have your first choice 11 um, available for the first time since uh, Orlando, which was feels like forever at Orlando, by the way, not the home game against Orlando, but the the game all the way back in March, um, I think, or April, March or April, one of those days, one of those months. Um, So, I mean, that's uh, and that's something I think I'm careful in saying that that excuses the team for how they've played so far. Um, but it certainly has had an impact um, in how they've played um, and certainly has had an impact on, on what we've seen from the offense. Um, and uh, and then, of course, leave it to Bobby Warshaw and uh, and Matt Doyle to get me a little bit uh, excited or a little bit interested that maybe this team has finally turned a corner um, just in the 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 urgency seemed picked up in that second half against uh, against New England. But the team still needs to make moves. They need to go out and find somebody. Um, hopefully, Emil Assad, it seemed almost like a sure thing when we hear he's out of contract, but um, as Charlie pointed out, it's a little more complicated with the fact that his agent is the same agent as Luciano Acosta, um, which complicates things. And, and, you know, so it, it, and apparently as, as uh, Paulo also pointed out, it's very difficult for whatever reason to get players out of Argentina um, for whatever reason. I don't know if it's visa issues or, or what, or what the reason is, but um, John, you really I think it's something. their, yeah, their clubs tend to value them. I think maybe more than the market will bear. I think just because of pedigree, that's a lot of it too. Um, Luciano Acosta, we didn't mention this in our last show, is the subject of theoretical interest from Sevilla in Spain. 
Um, and of course, he said, "I would, I like Sevilla. Spain would be a great league to play in <laughs> for sure." Because uh, if you'll notice, the the public uh, the links have died down a little bit in light of his play and just sort of the window. They'll probably heat up. PSG is not coming to Colin again. Uh, that's not going to happen. I saw a rumor of another team in Argentina potentially looking at him, not Boca, not Estudiantes. Um, so uh, look for that pre-contract, man. But the thing we sort of all predicted all along that DC was going to be left holding an invisible bag uh, as the only pre- the proceeds from this deal is, are likely to be. So enjoy it. Hopefully he has uh, a good a good finish and, and good ride, doesn't step on anybody else's throat the rest of the way, and we have him on the field for all of the possible games. Yeah, and, and I think I think the point thing is once Sevilla got brought up, um, I think that's when I said, okay, he's gone. I mean that that was for me once. I mean, he basically what what it's what it's what it's been reported as is if it's a team in Saudi Arabia or it's a team in, in a league that you would be like, why would you make that type of move? He's not making this move for financial you know considerations. I'm sure that's still a part of it. Um, I'm sure if Sevilla was like, we'll pay you a dollar a year to play for us, he'd be like, ah, <laughs> no. Um, but I mean, financial considerations are, are not priority one for this move. Um, DC could offer him, you know, you know, 10 million a year. And if Sevilla is out here offering him 5 million, he's going to take the Sevilla move because it's, it's, he, he, this is all about him trying to advance his career and, and really take advantage of a short window and going to Europe. Um, so it would be a shame um, to, to see him go, especially for the, for the free transfer. I'm sure DC will be disappointed. Um, you know, it is what it is, and there's not much DC can do at this point to really to really keep him around. So um, they Brian can offer. Him- just posted a a sad, a funny thing. Uh, by the way, they just lost the appeal. He will miss for sure. That came out ten minutes ago, and right after that, Sevilla is in the United States for their training camp. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's free to go uh, have discussions if if he'd like. So yeah. that's keep that in mind. By the way, uh, by the way, should we, should we mention also that the uh, Loudoun United Stadium is looking like an actual soccer stadium now? That's out on the middle of a dirt patch. Yeah, uh, they're going to have to like spray paint that dirt green or something, or black <laughs> or something, so they can get away from it. But I'm I'm excited. We're gonna have a, we're gonna have one of our patrons uh, is gonna be there uh, for the for the opening game. He's gonna come on with us and talk about his experience and what the stadium's like. I'm gonna be uh, at Boyd's this Saturday uh, at the Washington Spirit game just really melting my ass off. I think that it's supposed to be like 137 degrees. They posted something. The team posted something this, uh, this evening saying, don't forget there's a new uh, NWSL rule that they will not start warmups until it's below 94 on the field. So it's like, all right, so kickoffs like 945, probably PM. Maybe, maybe they'll be able to be able to kick off by then. So look out for me to know uh, at least 90 minutes worth of NWSL soccer uh, come our next podcast. Yeah. All right, um, I guess with that, uh, thank you so, so much uh, to, to Charlie Bohm for coming on the show, um, to Boston for coming on to the show, uh, from the Cincinnati uh, Talk podcast. And uh, with that, we will wrap up the show. Uh, Patreon.com slash RFK Refugees, Twitter.com slash RFK Refugees, and uh, we will catch you all next week. Vamos. Vamos. Vamos.